This presentation is from Design Research 2021, day four. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Um, I'm Erin Malone, and first before we start, I'd like to acknowledge that I am speaking to you on the unceded territories of the Ramatush Ohlone peoples who have continuously lived upon this land since time immemorial, and to recognize the historic discrimination and violence inflicted upon the indigenous peoples in California and the Americas, including their forced removal from their ancestral lands and the deliberate and systematic destruction of their communities and culture. So I want to talk to you today about a project that I've been working on with the Anti-Defamation League. They approached me um, almost two years ago to uh, work with their Center for Technology and Society and to visualize the ecosystem of online hate in social platforms and games. Um, as we get started, just a little bit about who I am. You probably read my bio. I've been working for a long time. I'm currently working with ADL and their Center for Technology and Society. I am a chair of the Interaction Design Program of, at California College of the Arts, and I co-authored Designing Social Interfaces. My specialty is modeling systems and architectures and designing and advising on social interfaces. The ADL is the oldest anti-hate organization in the world and one of the leading civil rights groups in the United States. And their mission is to stop the defamation of the Jewish people and secure justice and fair treatment for all. I am not Jewish, um, so I am in the for all. Um, the Center for Technology and Society was created to work with companies in Silicon Valley to problem solve around fighting hate. They actively advise Congress, state elected officials on policy, and we are working on tools to track and measure hate online in social platforms and games. We also partner with a group called the Fair Play Alliance, which is over 160 game developers, to create a framework for addressing toxic behavior in games. And we're also building a kinder, gentler social pattern library um, with interaction design references and ways to um, mitigate and disrupt and provide friction along the way to hopefully help stop hate. And I'm hoping that that will be public in um, a short while. So what is the online hate ecosystem? It's complicated, it's complex, and it involves a lot of different types of actors from across multiple ideologies and biases, manifesting in various ways from subtle harassment to full-on calls for violence and genocide. And one of the best ways to understand an ecosystem, at least in my opinion, is to diagram and visualize it. And this can help people understand the terminology, the actors, the outcomes, as well as the inputs and the relationships between these actors within the system. By making the big picture visible, we can come up with a shared vocabulary and a shared understanding to enable discussions about opportunities for making change, for intervention, and for education for improving those mitigation strategies. In the process of doing this work, I found that there's no one single diagram that can show the entire ecosystem and that we have to have a suite of them. And what I wanna walk you through today is some of my process um, for what I tried, how I explored the, the material, and what we ended up with. Ultimately, there's different lenses and perspectives that will visualize the system in different ways and um, also different levels of resolution um, that give different points of detail. So to start with these, these doc diagrams that I'm gonna show you are fairly high level, um, and they're attempting to capture the breadth and depth of what we're talking about. 
So I started out with stakeholder interviews across the organization. Um, there's a center on extremism in the organization. They spend a lot of time studying uh, extremists and the actors in there. And so uh, between them and other people across the organization, I asked questions about what they thought the ecosystem was and um, how it worked and what it included and you know did my traditional affinity diagramming. And then I started to think about how we visualize um, the ecosystem, looked at a lot of different types of diagrams and data visualizations to try to see what kinds of form would be the best way to tell the story. Thinking about two plus two times two diagrams, bubble diagrams, cluster models, concept models, um, you know, there's a whole gamut of different kinds of diagrams. I'm a concept model person, and I find that that helps me think through material um, when I think about what the relationships are between different actors and different elements in a system. Um, so I ended up doing a lot of those kinds of things. So the first thing that I wanted to understand was who are the players within these ecosystems? and, and and when we think about online hate, we often think about extremists. And um, one of the things that I can say is that as we look at hate that's manifested on social platforms and in games, we see different kinds of facets. For every different kind of ideology, there's someone who is um, spouting hate, and uh, we have a lot of different kinds of identities. But I want to talk about how I ended up a rat hole, down a rat hole first. Um, so I did focus on extremists for at the at the beginning, and and you know some of that came out of talking with our center on extremism and reviewing you know the materials that ADL had in terms of their surveys and the research. I also looked at um, the Southern Poverty Law Center and other NGOs and Wikipedia for the militia groups, and I ended up, you know, I do a lot of work in spreadsheets, just writing down things as I come across it in the research, as I had interviews, and I ended up with something like 1,200 different um, militia and extremist groups, and it was kind of unwieldy. Um, this is sort of some of the spreadsheets. And this is um, a rationalized list of the various different kinds of ideologies that these different groups uh, support and spout. And so I tried to diagram that in a network diagram where each of the centerpieces is a type of ideology and coming out of that are the different groups and tried to show through color and size um, of the bubbles a general size of, of the, the group we were talking about. Now, the problem with this diagram is that it looks like it was generated with, with real data. And it wasn't. This was all qualitatively uh, created just from my gut and from the readings and the research that I did. And so it implies a lot more information than is actually really there. And, and I didn't expect you to read it, so here's a, a close-up. And one of the things I, I also tried to do was show where different groups overlapped different subtypes of ideologies. And this got really complicated. And it was really difficult to parse and um, also implied all sorts of uh, meaning and data that wasn't there. So I ended up scrapping it. I thought, well, what if we just do the giant bubbles and see how that feels? And that, again, wasn't quite right. Um, I also was trying to look at the different kinds of spaces where 
people were um, creating hate speech and the different kinds of types of hate speech and how those ideologies impacted that in this kind of diagram, you know, moving the ideologies down to the bottom. And again, this did not work. It was um, implying information that I wasn't intending and it was making relationship, it wasn't clearly defining relationships that I wanted to be there. And so this was also kind of a failure. So I went back to the drawing board um, and I also found out from the organization that while we do have a center on extremism, studying these extremist groups, when we think about the ecosystem, we're really thinking about the ideologies and not the Pacific groups. Um, particularly when we think about mass social platforms like Twitter and Facebook and um, you know, TikTok and the, the kinds of places where the general public is. So you see less organized extremist groups there than you do in the fringe sites. So I went back to the diagram. And um, one thing I want to just remind everyone is that these are not exhaustive. They are not all inclusive. And for every person who has reviewed them along the way, and there have been many, um, there's probably something I forgot or missed. And as I've reviewed these both inside and outside the organization, every time I show it to someone, we find something that needs to be added. So thinking back to sort of what are the parts, and um, I just started to free list those different pieces, both in terms of ideologies, different kinds of people who are affected both in and out, who's mitigating um, the different kinds of uh, uh, toxicity, and I started to um, dig into that. So if we think about ideologies and biases, um, I worked through a, a lot of different kinds of lists of different uh, ideologies and, and uh, biases against people. This is the, the FBI list. And then we ended up with a smaller list just um, to get a little more com uh, compact. So if we think about who, it's hate groups, individuals, institutions, governments, and media. And the different kinds of ideologies span from ageism um, through white supremacy. And as you can see, these are very high level um, and sort of super inclusive. Um, but one of the things I wanted to look at was also why do people uh, create online hate in the first place? And People post hate because they feel empowered in these online spaces because they are anonymous, um, even if they're using their real name. And they also um, end up posting against different organizations and different types of people um, because of often how they were raised, because they were bullied themselves by different types of people. Um, generally, people spread hate because of uh, some sort of trauma and a deep hurt or experience that they have experienced as a victim. And we see roots of this in, um, you know, going back to when people were in school, if they were abused by family members, if they were raised in very, very biased households and communities. And ultimately it's that fear around loss of control, of power, of their jobs, of respect that drives them to lash out. And because of the viral nature of the platforms that encourages engagement, this gets spread to as many people as possible. And new people start to feel that fear and they pass it on and they use that to find their community. So 
who is it that is perpetrating? Um, so this this is what the first part of the diagram looks like, and um, you know who are they who are they perpetrating hate against, and why are people targeted? You know, and for every kind of person that there is out there, there's someone who will target them. So if we think about why, you know, race, religion, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, etc., and then the different types of how do they, um, how does that hate speech manifest? It manifests in racist hate speech, in death threats, in discrimination, in dehumanization, which is ultimately what uh, the goal is, up to doxing, um, to impersonation, to uh, rape threats, harassment, and cyber stalking. I mean, it's everything from just being a jerk online all the way to calling the SWAT team out on someone in person and basically uh, potentially getting them killed. And some of the outcomes of being a target can show up in, you know, as simple as apathy. Um, it's discrimination. It can show up in radical ways in terms of people committing suicide, losing their income, um, losing their reputation. We see this with, you know, journalists being outed or being targeted. Um, it can undermine elections. It can create radicalization in other people, and it can happen, um, you know, escalate into offline attacks and um, escalation and retaliation. And this is what this part of the diagram, the final diagram, looks like. So where is this happening? Um, you know, the target and the goal of this was to look at um, social platforms. So we see this happens in online games and social platforms, but it also happens in dating apps and the media. And um, if you were paying attention, you'll see that the media shows up in several places. The media is a perpetrator as well as a um, a place where things show up. But the types of games, this is just a list of all the different kinds of games and all the different kinds of online um, social platforms that uh, can perpetuate hate and the different kinds of activities. We see it in live streams, we see it in voice chats, we see it in comments, we see it in text, we see it in photos, you know, memes and things. And this is what that part of the diagram looks like. So who's working to stop online hate? There's quite a lot of people who are spending a lot of time at various levels trying to stop this. And of course, it's a worldwide problem. Um, social platforms are actually trying to do that. They have um, you know, trust and policy, trust and safety people. Um, they have AI, they have moderators, but you know the sheer scope and scale of some of these platforms, they're just not able to keep up. Online games are working hard to uh, address this as well, and I mentioned the Fair Play Alliance, which is 160 uh, game groups that are working to create a set of best practices across games to mitigate toxicity and hate. Dating apps are working on this, the media, individuals, lots of um, NGOs and nonprofits and civil rights organizations, as well as governments. And we see uh, mitigation show up in you know, simple things like community guidelines in terms of service, but also in um, how things are moderated with artificial intelligence and algorithms, but also ethics and principles. Designers have a role to play. Journalists have a role to play. Um, all the different places where things can get published. We've got a lot of academics doing work in this space. 
but also we can see um, things being mitigated in the schools. Teachers and parents can work um, with students and you know, policy and immigration and human rights and all the different levels in terms of international, federal, state and local governments are working on this. And the different kinds of out outputs we are looking for are rewarding desired behavior. You know, give, reward people for the behavior that we want to see, not the behavior that they're doing. And, um, you know, building in light friction, I mentioned the social pattern library. Um, that is a set of interactive micro interaction examples with friction built in to stop and mitigate and pause um, um, people from posting hate, giving people users tools to be able to deal with this, um, giving moderators better tools, having celebrities talk about uh, why this is a bad thing. There's all sorts of uh, levels. We also have policies um, and laws that um, are, you know, being worked on to try to mitigate hate. And it takes all of these different levels and different people to, to get this uh, to happen. And here's what this part of the diagram looks like. And the final diagram looks like this. And you'll see ultimately it's a taxonomy of online hate across social and um, social platforms and games. What this does not do is give us um, any kind of sense of relationships. So the next diagram was really about the relationships and how can we understand those relationships between the actors. So what are the relationships between the parts? How do we see what's connecting them? Where are the perpetrators in the system? Who are the mitigators, which we saw a list of those, and how are they all interconnected? So this is a concept model just of a general social. Um, I like to sketch first. And then I started working on this humongous, I don't expect you to read this, this humongous diagram of thinking, you know, cyber hate and how, to, how does it manifest across these different actors, the perpetrators and mitigators and the different platforms. And um, this is a, a, a printout where I got feedback from my team um, from an early version and then it got more detailed and then it got more detailed to the point where it's not actually usable by anybody except the internal team. And, but this helped me think through all the different pieces and I'll show you a few um, close-ups. So here's just the social ecosystem part with the social sites going into the different types of um, uh, ways that hate is propagated and, and the different kind of outcomes. And here's a better version of that. So we can see social sites, the different areas, the types of media, the content categories, the types of hate speech and who they're, um, uh, you know, targeting. And so these, these sub diagrams are kind of used internally for our team as we think about, and this was not published publicly because we do list all the different um, social sites and um, we don't want anybody, I mean, people are already mad at us. So, um, so here's a much simpler version um, that I created that is much more understandable for the general public. And we start with the left, you read this left to right. Um, the different kinds of inputs, which I talked about earlier in terms of families, communities, media, schools, peers, that um, trauma and experiences uh, underpin why someone would post online hate and the different, and if you go to the top, the different types of people who post hate and the bottom are the different types of people who uh, are trying to mitigate that. 
and the, how that's connected to the social platforms into the outcomes. So you can read this like um, online hate, which is voiced, spread, propagated, or created by people who have biases along multiple hate ideologies, who use and play um, in social platforms and online games. They participate in and sometimes use anonymous aliases or pseudonyms for the purposes of disseminating hate speech meant to silent and dehumanize. So you can read this concept model along these different paths. Here's another one going down. So biases help feed online hate, pressure to fit in, or bullying can incite online hate, which may be policed, counteracted, and mitigated by NGOs, which include nonprofits who fund and support scholars. But the nonprofits may also train law enforcement. Um, the scholars research offline violence and terror. The law enforcement may or may not recognize members um, or they themselves create hate speech meant to dehumanize and silence marginalized and underrepresented communities. So that's an example of um, another way you could read that diagram. So uh, one of the next deeper dives I did was really looking at money and, and following the money. And so I tried to think about how um, all the different ways we could think about how the money and the infrastructure could be uh, visualized. And I started with like an iceberg diagram, um, but that didn't really work. And so I started, then I thought about what's the stack as we think about from the bottom of being internet infrastructure to content hosting, to money processing and collection, distribution of ads and then money in. Um, but that didn't really work either. And you know, the goal of this was really to try to understand what are the, what's the infrastructure both on the internet and in payment processing platforms that end up supporting extremist and hate speech. Um, so if I go back to that really super detailed concept model where I fleshed out a whole bunch of things that, um, that actually helped me get to a final diagram. So this is the corporate value chain supporting online hate. And at the, bot, at the top, we have an individual user actions where somebody may purchase a website, they create content, it gets accessed, they offer people to buy subscriptions or give donations or pay dues or buy merchandise. And then they also may publish their content on different content distribution platforms like podcast places and YouTube and other places. All of that is supported by various infrastructure. So if we think about the types of companies that support or are part of the internet infrastructure, registrars, name servers, ISP, content hosting, the money infrastructure, payment processing platforms, credit cards, fraud detection, cryptocurrency, and that advertising infrastructure that often are ad networks that get distributed across websites that without necessarily having, black, um, having lists of, of approved or not approved types of companies, all of these kinds of companies end up supporting um, hate groups and extremists and um, we can call them out. So, you know, I think we're at a point where they're not necessarily, um, they can't necessarily sit on being objective and innocent bystanders. So if they're supporting um, hosting um, a hate site or a Nazi site, then they should be called out. Um, so the, the last diagram that I worked on was an escalation path. And if we take the sort of the, all those different pieces and think about what is the escalation path of a single person being radicalized? 
you know, what's their experience? How do they get immersed? Where do bad actors target them? Because they don't radicalize themselves in most cases. And, um, and then where do we find opportunities for intervention and how can we suppress or intervene that hate content? And thinking about how does design get involved? So if we have a straight path of negative possibility, we have those past experiences that shape a person, which we've seen in the previous diagram, and they participate in social media and platforms. They may also be reinforcing existing biases, so how they were raised in the community they were raised in. Um, and that can show up in their posts and the things that they um, think and the way they post and the types of things they share. And in a lot of cases, that eventually turns into an escalation vocabulary. People start to talk about guns, they start to talk about killing, they start to talk about, you know, um, getting rid of whole groups of people. Sometimes they publish manifestos. We've seen that happen in extreme cases of uh, uh, the shooter cases. And they announce an intention of offline violence. And that is a very, very small subset that ends up in that manifesto and to the right. But if we think about how these things get influenced and amplified and um, where we see confirmation bias, we see the family and the community have great influences on a person um, that helps create those biases. And also if they are bullied um, and nobody does anything about it, we see the beginning of a victimization mindset. So now they are the victim, not the people that they are um, posting hate speech about and they tend to find groups and uh, communities that support those existing biases and extremists target these people and through the use of propaganda and confirmation bias we see people you know they're looking for their own community and people who are like them and so um, we see this escalate and um, you know just it, it's ugly but there's places where um, we can create disruption, we can invite discussion around various programs, education, and other initiatives. So teachers, schoolmates, parents, friends, siblings all have uh, a place and a role in changing these behaviors and attitudes. It has to happen early though. Um, we see that sort of middle school is often where this trauma um, starts. So schools have a huge role in terms of role-playing, workshops, giving in context lessons. We also need to empower bystanders to be able to report and share without ramification and without feeling like they're squealing um, because we need to break the cycle and they need to feel empowered to step in. We see, um, you know, we can have counter speech where other participants in social spaces um, you know, step in and say, hey, that's not really right. That's not the right way to think about this. Um, you know, so there's various places where parents and family can be involved, where uh, bystanders can be involved. And then as we get towards the end, um, we have law enforcement and legal controls that get involved. And then where platforms can interrupt and suppress before hate is even posted is, you know, in the content moderation, they can interrupt and suppress prior to posting by uh, providing slight delays um, to run algorithms across things. Um, they can provide user tools for bad act, you know, for people to report bad actors, um, and then as well as moderation tools, and um, they can take things down. So that's just um, a little bit about thinking about, you know, how 
a person who is on a radicalization path where we can um, create interventions. So how did I get here? Uh, I did months of research, um, reading mainstream articles, NGO reports, academic papers, um, expert authors, uh, the books. I visited many, many NGO and nonprofit websites and reports and, and um, reviewed. I also reviewed a lot of left-leaning and mainstream online magazines, news sites, and blogs, and a handful of alt-right media sites. I tried to stay away from the alt-right media um, just because I did not want to become radicalized myself. I also did uh, quite an extensive amount of internal stakeholder interviews as well as getting external feedback and validation in um, reviewer sessions and those people in the external uh, sessions represent uh, you know across 15 different kinds of companies and disciplines from um, social media experts, UX experts, diagramming experts, um, ex-FBI, other extremist experts, um, people who work in trust and safety in the game companies. So it was a very, very broad uh, range of uh, reviewer and feedback sessions. So there's still quite a lot of questions, uh, I think, that can be answered and that design can be involved in. So one of the first questions is, how do games differ than social platforms? And how should the approach differ? Games are slightly behind the social media platforms, so they can learn from the mistakes that the social media platforms have made. On the other hand, they often cater to a, 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 a to, to younger audiences and also very specialized. So, you know, as we think about toxicity in games, what's appropriate in one kind of game is not appropriate in another, you know, trash talk and things like that. Um, so I think, you know, games are a little bit different and we're doing a lot of uh, research there. How can we manipulate engagement and virality for good, kinder outcomes? I've spent a big chunk of my career helping companies improve their engagement and virality, um, making things faster and smoother and more frictionless, and it's turned out not to be a good thing. So how do we stop that and slow things down and uh, manipulate those interactions to a better outcome? How do we continue to encourage connections but um, design better guardrails? And how much is too much? You know, uh, how much is nanny state versus, um, you know, basically creating better guardrails? How do we know if our design intentions make positive change? You know, I spent 20 years working on social interfaces without, you know, really for these business goals. And um, it's taken, a, you know, this is a long, um, long term type of thing. It's not sort of a quick cause and effect. So. I think this is a, a, a good question for academics to address um, in conversation with people working in industry. And how can understanding the ecosystem help design as a practice improve in small places for big impact? Where are the most salient opportunities for change and where are there time delays? I mean, we see this time delay um, you know, over the years as, as platforms grow. What policies, laws, and legislation should I understand in my role as a designer? So I think that's an important one. Um, this is my first time working for uh, a civil rights organization and really understanding and being exposed to various laws. So if we think about designing something that's global, 
you know, the laws in the U.S. are different than the laws in Europe, than are different than the laws in Australia. And what do I need to understand and how I design these interactions um, for each of those different um, spaces? You know, privacy laws, et cetera, are different. And what's our responsibility for pushing back? for keeping kindness and community at the forefront over profits. You know, this is that ethical dilemma of where do we push back when what we're designing is not good for the community, even if it's good for the company. And that's a really tough one because ultimately design is, at least in these platforms, is in the service of capitalism. And I think, um, you know, each person has to think about this uh, for themselves, but also what is the responsibility for the larger community? And how do we raise up these questions in a way that creates a nice um, uh, um, compromise? And that, um, with that, the diagrams that I showed you, um, minus the escalation path, are all available at www.adl.org slash online dash hate dash ecosystem primer. And you can download those as PDF files and you know read a little bit about how they came about, which is what I just told you. Thanks.